This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I'm with friends, I like to have fun, 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 fun! I like to sing, dance, pretend, and kazoo! When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Jimenez, Dendonka, getting into a shooting position and scoring. No sooner has Adama Traore come on the field than he makes a contribution that has a big effect. And the relegation picture goes from bad to worse for the men in Claret and Blue. Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host for... The show that will hopefully give you a bit of sanity amongst the claret and blue sufferings of recent weeks. It will also hopefully not take you uh, about an hour or so closer to Villa's relegation. We're trying to hold back on that one. Anyway, joining me, it's almost like a reunion of Match Club. Mr. Dan Rogers of the Villa Underground, welcome. Hello. Mr. Phil Shaw. Hello. Welcome. And the omnipresent... Mr. Christopher Budd, welcome. Hello. How are we all feeling? Optimistic. Oh, no, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Delete. What? Sorry. <laughs> what, in like life, life in general, or are you already talking about the villa? Well, I, I think, I, I mean, this is going to be quite the comeback, isn't it? Um, I think when we survive on the lowest ever points tally by drawing our way out of the, <laughs> out of the relegation <laughs> zone, it's going to be quite a story. It'll be, a, it'll be a, an Amazon Prime uh, not to be missed next year. <laughs> How are you, Phil? I'm just still recovering from Saturday lunchtime. Just managed us to ruin your weekend ever earlier every week. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I thought I was. I felt quite sober. I mean, I don't mean from a drinking context, but coming out of Match Club after we uh, must have spent about an hour talking about it. It's almost like a bonus uh, live podcast uh, in there. I mean. Any game that you get beat, the instant reaction is, uh, you know, you're not happy. But 
Yeah, well, we'll get into the old wolves uh, thing. Uh, are you all right, Mr. Bud? Not bad. Not bad. That's all I need. That's all I need. As long as there's a pulse from Mr. Bud, the whole world's uh, okay. Pulse optional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Coming up in the My Old Man's Head podcast, episode 108. We will uh, have a quick look at villain news. Not much shaking there. A few players released. Uh, also a uh, headline sponsor released as well. Then we'll get you into the three points. Uh, we'll blaze through those uh, swiftly. And then into the meat and gravy of the Wolves Clash and the context of uh, what's happening, uh, Dean Smith's position, Grealish's position, etc., etc. And then bringing up the rear of the show in overrated and underrated, Mr... What was his nickname? Was it Inchai? Inchai Allen Wright? Was that somebody else? I don't remember that. <laughs> Inchi. Oh no, that was Adrian Heath. Sorry. <laughs> he, was he, he was even smaller than Adrian Heath, if that was possible. And also Mr. Bosco Balaban. We were always going to have Bosco on this show. It was just a matter of when we decided to slot him in, in the overrated and underrated. Right, let's get into this. First of all, Villain News, uh, not officially announced, although uh, it's more like an educated guesswork, isn't it, in terms of Borja Baston, yep. Callum O'Hare, James Chester, who else has been chopped apart from... Uh, Doyle Hayes, Andre Green, Hepburn, Hepburn Murphy, Murphy, who's actually got about a million names, apparently. Yeah, well, he... A few young I mean, lads. That was... Officially, Ross McCormack inevitable. as well. Ross McCormack has officially left the club. No, I still had hope for him. Yeah, Sarkic, <laughs> and then a few of the yeah, and a few of the kids when he appears on. at the London Stadium in a few weeks' time, and we yeah. roll him onto the pitch. <laughs> I mean, we'll discuss that more when it comes to the end of the season in the context of uh, well, we're going to be rebuilding, uh, maybe not so drastically, whether we stay up or not. But uh, when we we'll, we'll talk about those guys uh, and them leaving, it they're almost like not worth talking about. Uh, I mean, Chester's run his cause, paid his dues, so uh, we took his knees and we've let him go, haven't we? Basically, yeah, exactly. Also, W88, the that old Wolves sponsor, is also now an ex Villa sponsor their deal has been cancelled after a year i mean these things you because of um, i mean the only statement you get from villa is like literally two lines so uh, it's funny how it's timed as we're looking likely to drop maybe it's mm-hmm. wa8 saying mm, you know we, we need to be in the premier league if we're spending money on english promotion it needs to be in the premier league because uh, they normally these companies they are advertising for their domestic markets mm-hmm. and that is all premier league based uh, they're not be, they won't be screening aston villa in the championship so maybe it is them uh, jumping the gun rather than uh, the spin that will be oh villa have got better bigger plans ahead Ouch! Let's get on to the three points. The first point, uh, is this the first podcast since Liverpool are the almighty English champions? Yeah. I think it is. To add to European and world, and won't, and won't we ever stop hearing about that? Mm. Good of them to try to build, burn down their own building by firing fireworks <laughs> at it. I thought that was a, <laughs> uh, a faux pas. 
their their stadium yeah uh, no social distancing there uh, and the mess as well i mean oh man if i reach that age where i'm moaning about litter but even i was impressed by the amount of litter that they managed to drop outside there yeah you're sounding all very middle-aged and uh <laughs> think of the recycling <laughs> what's, what's the name mary whitehouse i don't know if you're if you're uh old enough to remember her mm. anyway they um, liverpool will get a guard of honor and it's, it's all in the timing they happen to be playing manchester city mm. at the etihad i bet they're chuffed <laughs> <laughs> elated mm. pep guardiola said we are going to do the guard of honor of course we will greet liverpool when they come to our house in an incredible way we are going to do it because they deserve it I mean, he's quite right. I mean, it's a it's a great achievement by Klopp to storm the league. Although I will caveat that and say this is a Premier League where there's so many teams in transition: your mm-hmm. Arsenal's, your Manchester United's, your Spurs. Mm. That uh, and Manchester City have obviously just won, you know they've won. It's hard for them to retain the title. You lose a little bit of intensity because they they think it's kind of a foregone conclusion. But Liverpool, uh, I mean, as I said at the start, the first podcast of the new season, my tip was Liverpool to win the league because uh, last season with one defeat and a European Cup win suggests that they had the metal for the job, and they also had that desire, that thirty years desire. So uh, for me, they they were always always the most likely. I thought you were going to use the horrible phrase of thirty years of hurt then. That they've been using all week. No, 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 no. God. No. Right, moving on to new managers. No, these are not Aston Villa's new manager. Uh, one, Mr. Neil Warnock, still going strong, joined the Borough. Borough, I think they beat Stoke straight off the bat. I can't remember how many uh, Borough managers have failed to win their first game, but it's a long, long list. Warnock does have the knack of getting a ship into order pretty quickly. Well, I think that there was uh, no better illustration than, than he arrived and immediately homed in on anyone associated with Aston Villa Football Club. And and I think he's pretty much his first day, he told Rudy Gestead to go home. Um, <laughs> and he hasn't, he didn't feature. I, I think that um, says it all, really, doesn't it? I, I do like that there's a little story in the Teesside Gazette for those people who don't get it delivered uh, in Birmingham. Uh, <laughs> um, or, or further afield, that, that uh, Gestead was, I think, stalling on a, on a contract deal. And, uh, and and Warnock politely uh, apparently told him, well, you might as well go home. And Gustav was like, well, I'm under contract. And, and Warnock just told him, well, you have my permission to go home. <laughs> and he was cleared off. Self-isolate Rudy. Self-isolate Rudy. <laughs> but I haven't got any symptoms of COVID. Uh, you, you're misreading the message here, son. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah, we're shielding ourselves from you. <laughs> anyway, uh, second up, uh, new manager, new international manager, Mr. Ian Barraclough has taken over at Northern Ireland. He hey. was uh, a bit of a Southgate kind of uh, appointment. He was the under-21 boss uh, from... 2017 and has been touted uh, well mute well as celebrated as their most successful under 21 boss i, I think that's mainly because they beat spain uh, mm. and because they didn't actually qualify for the euros if if i am not mistaken i think they finished second our northern ireland expert uh, who actually lives there phil <laughs> <laughs> go phil let's go Duke. live to our correspondent <laughs> yeah let's let's go live to northern ireland phil what what are you thinking the under 21 manager is uh, a strange position in northern ireland because if you're 21 and you're good enough you're not playing for the under 21s you're straight up in fact if you're 18 19 you're straight into the team so this will be the first chance probably he's got to work with some of these young players like jamal lewis and things because right, right, he's right. having to play under 21 matches with 17 and 18 year olds so mm. he's obviously done quite well to get get there so but some of those players
players, I mean, like you, Peacock Farrell's Jamel Lewis would have played with him a couple of years ago, surely. Jordan Thompson, Gavin White. Yeah, there were, but again, the, you look down their appearances for the under-21s and it's like one or two because then with our limited pool of resources, it's like, oh, he, he, can, he can kick a ball straight into the first team. Let's go. <laughs> but it's, it's a method that's worked for years. But the, I mean, the previous manager was, uh, was it Michael O'Neill? Mm. Yeah, he. Uh, well, why did he uh, leave? Uh, just because he, I think you get this stage when you, you you can sort of see the writing on the wall at Northern Ireland. We, we work in like generations. It's it's not so much the golden generation; it's more the the capable generation. <laughs> yeah, it's the banging so, against, banging your head against the wall generation. Yeah, so <laughs> you get. I mean, Steve Davis has only got a few more. A couple more years left in him. He's uh, 53 now, isn't he? He's still uh, <laughs> <laughs> still dictating the midfield. Yeah, still passing <laughs> sideways. But I think in terms of uh, trying to uh, nurture something f- well, from the roots up, it's mm. probably the best way that uh, Northern Ireland can, can go. Yeah, I mean, we've... To, to have any success. We've got good facilities, as you can see, with um, most people coming over to Northern Ireland to do their UFAB and UFA licences. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabby, Gabby Obong, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And John, John Terry. Terry a, a re- a, but he, he didn't finish it, though, did he? No, he didn't. Uh, he was postponed because we got to the playoff final last year, and as yet, as far as I can tell, he, he still hasn't done it. As what? As far as you can tell watching Aston Villa. <laughs> 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 ah, well deduced. Well, yeah, good, good deduction. And you're over in Northern Ireland, so it must be really obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I think Villa signed a young Northern Irish midfielder, is it uh, McBride? Uh, he's signed from Glenthorne, who I should have his name there. It doesn't matter because he only got a couple of games for Glenthorne as well. It's the same thing. You, if you're very young, he's only 17. Yeah, any promise at all, and you're you're gone. Hmm. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, we we wish uh, Ian uh, the best of luck. And uh, we'll see uh, what see what happens over the next few years. Uh, moving on, uh, Arjen Robben from uh, old Chelsea days. His uh, he retired uh, July twenty nineteen. Arjen Robben and uh, decided to uh, come back at the age of thirty six. I mean, he's only been out for one year to play for Groningen, who I think he played that was his first club, and uh, oh, okay. he's kind of going back to help out. Uh, I mean, obviously, as a lot of clubs afflicted by the Corona crisis mm. in one shape or form so that's uh, he said that he's followed his heart to kind of do that after listening to fans so uh, I mean to be fair uh, he's still probably at 36 got enough pace to be the fastest player in the Villa team if uh, if he came to Villa <laughs> until the end of the season I was always a big Robin fan I thought he was a great player I mean, there's, there's no coincidence that after Chelsea, I mean, he went from P- PSV to uh, Chelsea, but after that, he went to Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. So mm-hmm. uh, he was he was devastating for Chelsea, but he had a, an equally uh, respectable, I mean, a very respectable career at both Real and Bayern. I mean, yeah. top top midfield, top top, almost a striker, wasn't he? Really, he was like so unmarkable at 36 you could probably when you look at the pace on the on the wings at the in the villa team you could probably get into that i mean it, this is not a case of like glenn whelan that as soon as he leaves <laughs> villa he, he he went to hearts and then he got uh pushed <laughs> off to fleetwood <laughs> fleetwood isn't he he got sacked by email didn't he glenn whelan yeah apparently. and then he then he got punted from that mm. i mean are you robin or al ghazi oh, i don't know Oh, Trezeguet, I was thinking <laughs> Tre- more of. <laughs> Trezeguet, crikey, Trezeguet in his Zimmer frame trying to beat the last man here. Yeah. I mean, Robin at 36 <laughs> looks younger than Trezeguet. And I mean, Trezeguet, as, a, as we've mentioned a few times in this podcast, looks about 46, but uh, I don't know. 
Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. Right, just want to say a big shout out, as per usual, to the new My Old Man Said patrons who have joined us. Kyle Patton, Mike McKay, Alex Barrett, Dan Wilson, Andy Quinn, Kevin Keenan, and also a uh, shout out to uh, Michael Smith for upgrading. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, remember seeing Mike in uh, Match Club at the Wolves game, I think pretty much straight after he joined. Look around, I look around, I see a lot of new faces. <laughs> Shut up! Which means a lot of you have been breaking the first two rules of Fight Club. Man, I see in Fight Club the strongest and smartest men who've ever lived. I see all this potential. Match Club is one of the uh, perks of uh, being a My Own Man Said patron. The uh, little secret society we have going on match days where we... Uh, it's more like a, uh, it's like therapy. I think somebody described it as. Yeah, it's you like feel group, shit group going therapy. In. <laughs> yeah, group therapy. Almost like AA. At the, I mean, we, we meet before the game, then we have a little halftime chit chat. And then a- after the game, it's, it's, it's like the AA session, isn't it? I imagine it all sat in a circle, hugging each other. <laughs> Singing Kumbaya, trying to, trying to calm each other down. Hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, the second part of the Sean Teal uh, interview extra patreon extra will be up as well so if you fancy joining us in match club and uh, i think it will be uh, quite a lively affair for the liverpool and manchester united games then uh, please do go to myomansaid.com click on the patron link and join up there and any problems uh, connecting up to match club just drop me a line right let's move on to the uh, main topic which uh, we did discuss at length although dan was not there uh, after the game so this is a first chance to get his input and what he saw I mean, for me, I was talking about this is uh, after those first four games of the restart. This I saw uh, because of we only got two points in that uh, start. This was a trio of games that on paper, it's probably the hardest trio of games we had in the running. I mean, at the, before we saw kind of Chelsea, I, I was looking at Wolves were, you know, potentially a t- tougher team to get something out of. Uh, but Chelsea, you know, were pretty impressive. Mm. But anyway, Wolves, Liverpool, United, I thought we need to get something, anything from these games just to uh, set us up for when we come around the final corner, you know, the final furlong in those last four games that we're actually in a position where we can uh, get out of this. I mean, we've been lucky. I mean, Watford, I didn't think they, I thought they would uh, at least uh, get a point out of the Southampton game the, uh, mm-hmm. on on Sunday. So we seem to have a lot of luck because... The problem with this one was uh, even if we got a point, psychologically would have been out of the relegation mm-hmm. zone. And even if the other teams won their game, would would still be within one result away from them. But this not winning this game set us up. Suddenly you saw we're in the relegation zone and it's fast appearing to be like quicksand. Mm-hmm. Suddenly we had the game in hand now. It's the other teams with the game in hand. And that was psychologically, that's a big shift in the picture going into the game uh, the pod last podcast chris had a message for dean smith which was uh, a formation he was suggesting uh, going back to the five at the back or three three center backs with two win backs and essentially playing a christmas tree we got a variation of that although it was four at the back but uh he went for the uh was he listening to public demand do you think for the two up top or was this just the reaction to the end of the newcastle game where we seemed to Made, made some kind of impression probably the latter to be honest I think he probably just rewarded the team that finished 
reasonably well at Newcastle. So you had uh, Grealish at the head of a, which was essentially a diamond, and Davis and Samata up front with Nakamba on one side, Horahan on the other. I mean, how did you see that playing out, Dan, in the initial stages? Um, I... I think our formation and our change was was three games too late. And to be honest, if if, if anything, that the formation that that we we needed the other one for this game. That I, I think that you you look at, at man for man and how and how the game played out. I think we looked really really short. I think we were really short on ideas. Um, uh, similar to your introduction to this piece, really, that I was very mindful of the games that we had ahead. Um, you have to park now. What what has what has gone? But it's one of those games where. And this happened uh, against, uh, well, pretty much all of those games, because going into every game so far, all you've got to do is look at the table and go, we are the underdogs. Yeah. But you get to, let's say, half time and you think we're in this game, it's, we're, there to, you know, we're in it to win it now. This is a winnable game. And suddenly this Wolves game, we held them at bay. We, we did, but I would say that Wolves played within themselves. I think that they when, they, when they wanted to hurt us and when they really moved the ball, particularly for their goal, um, it was with devastating pace and and the movement and the, even the way that um, Dendonka wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Even the way he moves the ball and fight it it, it 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 was clinical and I think that across the entire game our most the most clear cut opportunity that we really fashioned was was in the the first half when Grealish squared to Hurahan and uh, the, the rest of it didn't feel it didn't feel like we had urgency. Uh, it didn't feel like it, I never felt like we built up a head of steam, and that's I don't know whether that's because our form's so dreadful. I, I, I'm I'm not set on the, on the formation. I think we're really short in terms of personnel. Uh, I, I'm actually parking my view on Smith and and the, and the coaching at the moment because I think we're, we're going to find out very very quickly in the next ten ten fourteen days. I think what what Villa's true resolve is here. Yeah. Because you're going into a bizarre situation that I'll just say what I need to say about Liverpool and United that's ahead of us is that Liverpool perversely becomes the more winnable of the games because Wolves and United are vying for that Champions League spot. Um, I think United is is going to be a really really tough game because they're they're going that's going to arrive at a point where they're, they're going to need to be ahead of the likes of Wolves. You've also got the situation where there's no pressure on Villa at Anfield because yeah. nobody expects anything, mm-hmm. so they can relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. and uh, go for it. And, you know, that's been a scenario, uh, situation w- which we've had over the last few years. Well, last few years we were in the Premier League and, and we had reasonably good success there. I think three yeah. wins, yeah. three wins in the last six, only one defeat. And I think there was a couple of other subtle things in the game that, that got missed. And I did a bit of a write-up because there's, there's very, in fact, I can't recall the last game where I actually opened my laptop during a game. So I thought I've got to start sticking some of these down because it'll be the reason why we go down is that our defence came in for some some praise um, after the game and, and I thought if anything we were we were fortunate in the first half and it was picked up by none of the main commentators none of the main press have really picked up on it but the two that stuck in my mind was that, that the first chance that they really got where uh, Jimenez darts in front of Taylor from a from a, a corner and, and it sort of hits Nyland and that you know goes down as a good save or block could easily have been 1-0 quite early in the game the second one was uh, Doherty, the uh, the right back. I think ghosts past yeah. Nakamba like he's not there. You know, Nakamba's got I think one of the worst worst uh, ratings for being dribbled past in the entire division. So it was no surprise, I suppose. But then he gets in on goal and fires into the side netting. You know, we did nothing like that all day. 
Um, and Wolves really just waited for their chance, I, I thought, like a lot of teams do against us. And that my fear is that we could go into games like Liverpool United and, and we could be, find ourselves behind quickly from more clinical teams. You, you touched on it there. In terms of the... Def- and Smith has mentioned it and obviously spent a lot of time working on this because our defence mm. was absolutely atrocious. Um, mm, it was, mm. you know, it's the worst in, in terms of uh, goals conceded. But when you look on the shots on target against Villa in the restart so far... Mm. It's uh, it's it's looks good yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of being successful. I mean, Sheffield United one shot on target. Yep, yep. Chelsea, despite having seventy four percent possession, only had five shots on target, and I mean they could have destroyed us. Uh, let's let's be honest here. Newcastle only had three shots on target, mm. and Wolves only had two. But I think it's the so, context of those chances that, that to go. I don't want to dwell too much on the Newcastle game, but look at the how they scored their goal. It was you won't see a more amateurish piece of defending. But um, let's let's say the defence is doing all right. But that's that was. I mean, our problems against Newcastle and Chelsea were midfield. Uh, oh, it's woeful. Yeah, the midfield covering. So does this make because of concentration and, and Phil? Uh, I'll aim this one at you. Do you think this focus on the getting the defence right has uh, completely taken away any threat at the other end? Yes, it, it it definitely has, and like you said, when it's like a seesaw, it, it, they just can't get the balance right. It's mm-hmm. like the they're, they're either all defense or they're all open, and like like Dan said earlier on, you you could have played that formation and been a bit more open and things in the first three games, or, or even had that attitude in the first three games. You go into the Wolves and thinking, and I think every like in match club when they've seen the lineup, they might just went. Ooh, that looks a bit bad, but like you said, you get the half time and we're still in it. And it's the the C Triori warming up on the sideline, and it's like everybody just sort of steals himself. Then he comes on, and within a minute they've scored, and then that's their job done for the day. Teams mm, just yeah. treat us like children; they hold us at arm's length, mm. and they they just they know they only need to score one because we're not going to score a goal at the minute. Once Triori was on, as soon as they scored, it played straight into their hands because they had the ultimate counter-attacking threat. So, you know, they were happy for us to come on to them. And that was the problem. Uh, despite the invitation, we didn't really have a uh, a key to uh, to get in there. I mean, Chris, uh, you must have been frustrated by that yet again, the lack of not only guile and smarts, because you, you would need that to break through this defence that had had uh, six clean sheets in the last seven games, Wolves. But lack of, uh, you know, bite and determination. We're just, I think I said it after the game, I've said it a few times, we really are a team built in the mirror image of our manager, aren't we? You know, Dean Smith, lovely guy, but we are such a nice team. You know, Wolves are a, a really attractive side to watch. They're very well drilled. They play great football, but they can also mix it a little bit as well. And they've got a few relatively short guys in their team. Now, we th- I thought going with a front two, we'd be a little bit more back to front, which we were, but it would potentially allow us to to kind of grow into a game if we could hold the ball up and get the likes of Grealish, Horahan, etc. pushing on, which we did in patches. But we, as as um, Dan said, we never got ahead of steam. We never got into a position where you thought, we well, almost call it setting up base camp. We think, right, now we've got a platform. Now we can go and get at them. We just never... You know, whenever we'd get a free kick, for example, our set pieces were laughable again. Mm, I'd absolutely and really again and against a team like Wolves, where the reality is you're playing against a back five when they don't have the ball. Their fullbacks can bomb on, but because we were set up so narrowly, everything's going through the middle against a really wide team that really stretches the game. You know, you look at both of their fullbacks and the wingers; they were hugging the touchline, they were Mm. drawing us out. And we just didn't have any way to get round them. We weren't good enough to play through them. And 
if the tactic is pass the ball to Grealish and rely on a moment of genius, that ain't gonna that ain't gonna work very often, is it? The the tactic is give it to Grealish, get him fouled as close mm. to the uh, as close to the penalty box as possible. But then going back to what you said, if that is your only uh, option of constructive attacks, some of the deliveries were were just, I mean, embarrassing. Yeah, embarrassing I mean, is, is the word. Yeah, there was a comment from, and I said this in uh, Match Club. There was a comment from Glenn Hoddle after about, I want to say, about seventy-five minutes of the game, and it really summed up where Villa are at right now. And he mm. simply said, "You look at how Villa are set up. You look at their personnel, and you look at the, the balance of this game in particular against a, a, a very good Wolves team. Let's be honest." And he said, "Villa have got to play out of their skin to win games of football. They yeah. are never ever." going to play badly and win a game of football. And let, let me, I gave you the stats, uh, shots on targets uh, against Villa. Now, shots on target for Villa. And this is, you know, after this game, the Sheffield United game, that was when I said a little piece of me died because I realised that was an opportunity. And if you don't have the tenacity mm, to take mm, it, mm. we had six shots on target against Sheffield United's one. And, you know, straight after the game, some fans are saying, oh, but they, you know, fifth, sixth in the league, you know, they're going for Europa. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. They're there for the taking. Look what happens to Sheffield United in every game since they've played yeah, us. That's a, that's a very valid they've point. Been they've been turned them. over. Mm. They've been swept aside. They've been turned over. I mean, I just want to throw my final and bit sorry, in. Sorry, just to finish yeah. the stats. Uh, Chelsea, four shots on targets. And we, we could have... If we had that directness, that tenacity, we didn't squander our any, you know, that you know, the Trezeguet free kick at the end, ridiculous. Mm. If we just, you know, gave ourselves a chance, then you never know. We could have snatched the most unlikely draw we've probably seen at Villa Park for a long time. Newcastle, then you get in, into games that where's the urgency? Newcastle, two shots on target. Mm-hmm. Wolves, one shot on target. We, you, nobody survives relegation with two or one or two shots on target. And that will be the frustration is we'll arrive at the end of the season and I was looking back across it as dangerous as it is um, just 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 today as putting together something, uh, just highlighting how how naive and the, and the false flags, if you like, as to our whole season where these things aren't new. There's been so many games where, you know, it's not been like the players have been falling onto their off, off their feet at the end because you think, you know, they've given absolutely everything here, but they've lost and, you know, or, or they've actually, you know, tried to play out of their skin. I don't know whether this is a symptom of the lack of fan presence. I don't know whether it's the lack of actual, you know, the huge pause in the season. But I look to things in game that, they're you know, Chris, and, and obviously yourself, David, just mentioned how poor our, our set pieces are. But there's been a number, and Wolves, Wolves concentrated, my, my final point really, that you've seen across Newcastle and the Sheffield United game and the Chelsea game. We get ourselves into, keep ourselves in the game, we get ourselves into advanced positions, and I've lost count now of the, the amount of players and the amount of times who deliver a ball in that's overhit or that is so poor a delivery into our, into the opposition penalty box as to make um, Davis and Samata's job completely pointless. You know, we, yeah. we, we, you know, we get ourselves into dangerous positions and carry no threat. How can that be? I mean, the, the, the stat that backs up your no threat is your supposed best player in Grealish has had one shot on target in four games. Yeah. Well, he's been a combination of absolutely marked out of the game or heads elsewhere. And I, and one thing that did come to me earlier... Well, actually, say he- heads elsewhere, just, mm. just rubbish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know passes and there's nobody there mm. uh, or you know poorly delivered uh, crosses mm. and and uh, uh, b- but one other thing did occur to me and I, and I felt a bit a little bit about Luis um really that you, you can't do everything yourself and and I I, I as well take it off off Greedish for a moment there was a couple of times during the Wolves game where I looked at Hurahan I looked at Nakamba and I thought 
Lewis is busting her gut to make up ground, um, was doing a lot in the middle with zero help. Absolutely no help. And but with an, an element of composure and where you could say, do you know what, of any, he's probably one of few who you can arguably say have improved post-lockdown. Well, you can see some genuine quality, can't you? Well, you can, yeah. and he's, but he's surrounded by... Um, uh, Morons. Well, they, they don't have. Well, you look at Trezeguet to all the all the names that that if if you were if you were looking into Villa and saying which players would you take, that no way that they're they're just not even in it, are they? If you're just looking at players that you're not expecting them to be world beaters, but if Trezeguet could do a job, he, he would have hmm. scored goals against uh, Newcastle. It would have scored at least one, let's say. He'd have put that ball somewhere. And it would have been interesting in the last seconds mm. against Chelsea, mm. but not even doing the fundamentals. This is the problem. They're not doing the fundamentals. Yes. There's, there's one other elephant in the room and I have to be, you know, I've always been, uh, tried to be constructive in my criticism of Nyland. Um, but he, he, to have a goalkeeper who doesn't inspire confidence of the players in front of him, I think is incredibly dangerous. And we're now at a point where you, you need to rely upon your goalkeeper. He he got off on what would have been an absolutely calamitous error again at the weekend. Uh, it'd have been dropped if they scored from that. I think mm. it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, but he doesn't. I mean, he hasn't had much to do. We've re- you know I've read out this shots on target, and that's a testament to uh, Villa's organisation defensively, at least in terms of you know stopping the opponents it, mm-hmm. but that's meant to give you a foundation to then do something at the other end so Nyland hasn't been under a lot of pressure and you know he's a decent shot stopper so well top top goalkeepers though they they do the shot stopping bit but they they are they they don't have you know goalkeepers infamously used to have a bit of crazy in them I suppose but I think that that it's not true that you need a reliable dependable goalkeeper I want Nyland to be that goalkeeper but it just in the three or four games back now You've lost your confidence in him, like which we actually got back, I thought. Yeah, well, if you'd said it to me after the Leicester game, has this person demonstrated to you why he's at Aston Villa Football Club and playing in the Premier League? I would have said absolutely yes. He, he, he He's too much of a risk. Yeah, there was two things. If When we were 29 games, are we going to, and in the relegation zone, are we going to survive relegation? Two things that I would have, thought that would have given us a chance would be the Villa Park crowd because we mm. had six out of ten games at home and Tom Heaton also mm. just in you know if we're restricting teams to that low amount of shots on target having Heaton could be the difference to getting a nil-nil than you know losing one nil but we haven't got those I mean I mean when I say those two things you just expect Grealish to play at a certain level which he hasn't even been near. You expect a little bit more from McGinn, even though he's had a late, long layoff. And we're in a position where Smith obviously knows he's not up to speed to the extent that he, you know, he was on the bench for the Wolves mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just quickly look at Grealish. I mean, against Chelsea, he was hardly in the game. He, he had 76 touches against Wolves. Uh, normally, in a, when Villa are doing well, he's, he's you know, 85 upwards anywhere to 100 but you know you read you you can read stats and what you know what do they mean 93 percent pass completion you think oh that's great but a lot of those were made so deep and when it came to those the potential key passes it was that seven percent that didn't Mm -hmm. make it because those 90 you know 93 percent is just him playing deep you know playing around the back or whatever Mm. I think with Grealish, what I, all, all I would say is that he's he's clearly, you know, he's obviously our best player. He's obviously our marquee player. It's it's it, 
it's important to say, stay independent of the of the media spin and narrative as that Grealish has been talked up massively in game, during game, in any of the punditry. Oh, yeah. When yeah. Before actually he over, kicked the ball. Yeah, I mean, over the four games, I don't think this is his fault at all, by the way. I think it's a symptom of all the things I've mentioned. He has not been a standout footballer in those four four games, I don't think. No. Um, Chris, Chris, how much how much value if you just saw Grealish on those last four games? How much would you buy him for if you if he was offered to you? It would depend what his minimum fee release is, isn't it? Depending on what that number is, you'd be like, "Well, I'm not paying any more than that." Let's say we there's no no such thing. Yeah, just what what kind of value of player is he playing at? And you know, Phil, if you've got a figure as well. Well, I think I asked Daniel Levy what he would pay for him over the last four games. That's the sort of figure, <laughs> yeah, that's figure a great, you're talking that's about. That's a great way of putting it. Because those four games, he's he's been a, a, a nothing. And McGinn, you'd probably want your money back, 1.5 or whatever it was. John McGinn's <laughs> a depressing one because you can sort of see what Smith and the, and the management team are trying to do, and that's get him competitive game time and fitness. But it, it's at the worst time and he looks so... Uh, he's it so off the pace, sh- Yeah, he? he looks a shadow of himself, which is a, a real shame because he mm. was the... The other, you know, if Heaton wasn't around, you thought a fresh McGinn back. Mm. I remember we said before, you know, potentially having him back, he'd be like a cage lion. Well, he's just not, and it doesn't help. Yeah. But he's, the way his team are playing doesn't really help him anyway. You know, he's had a couple of sort of half chances in games, but he wants to get on the ball. He wants to get forward. You know, he doesn't want to be sort of chasing round all all game. We just we are not we are simply we're not set up to get the best out of our. Best play. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yes. Fullbacks, I mean, we're, we're just playing cons there obviously limits you, but these mm-hmm. fullbacks aren't. I mean, Taylor, it was the only time where we played the f- first touch ball. He, he kind of volleyed it straight back, one touch, give and go, got it back, but he was just uh, a little, it needed, you know, he had a li- the defender had a little bit of a head start on him and, uh, you know, managed to shield the ball and let it run off. But that was the only time we, we seemed to get around the back of them. But that was quicker passing rather than this slow, methodical passing and then knocking it back and, you know, starting off again. And, you know, yeah. wolves are just wolves are just peeling carrots and smoking <laughs> cigars at the back, waiting for us to come on them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of the fullbacks, well, well you know, Konza, I've actually thought, hasn't actually done anything particularly wrong in this round of game, in these rounds of matches. But, of course, you just need more from a fullback. You know, if, if Smith said, well, I want to be really solid at the back, fine. But do you want to stop goals or do you want to make goals? Because at this point yeah. in the season, scoring goals is what's going to keep you up. Secondly, on, on, on just onto Taylor, I, I actually think he got thrown into a really difficult game. And I, and I thought mm. he did a really good job, actually, in a really, you know, hard game to come into. So props to him for that. I mean, he, everybody knows he offers you next to nothing going forward. But in that kind of game, I don't think he, he was ever going to. But you're right, in terms of the, I mean, we've, we've said this probably every podcast this season, haven't we, about pace, over the ground pace, like we, we don't have a Traore, not that anyone else does, but the tempo is the big thing. You know, when you're playing against a back five and you've got a front two who are being marked by three, even if Grealish is bombing on or not, You've either got to get men involved or you have to move the ball quickly. We know we saw what Wolves could do. They moved the ball side to side constantly, quickly. Chelsea moved it quickly. The reason we didn't yep. get battered by the likes of Sheffield and Newcastle is because they moved the ball slowly. You know, we yep. don't, we, it's, I think we use the phrase quite a lot of times, um, myself and you, David, on the match club, that we don't have the extra gear and you need the gears to go through in the Premier League. You'll get away with it in the Championship because teams, 
sort of their uh, defensive shape will will fall and then you can pick your pass, you can play through it. Earlier in the season, Smith used the phrase, are we setting traps for teams? And I look at how we're playing now thinking, I don't see what the trap is to win the ball back and then get on the on, you know, and play in the transition. We're not fast enough in the transition to get up the field to then hurt a team. You know, modern fullbacks are quick. Modern centre-backs are quick. Every team can react to Villa very quickly. So even if they make a mistake, which Wolves did, to be fair, we had two or three moments in the transition where we thought, right, we're in now, and then we stop. Yeah, and that's that's the key. If you want to get Grealish running, you know, running through and running past the forward, you've got to be quicker in transition and, and have the you know the defense on the back foot and also confuse them a little bit with uh, quicker movement you can't just be like as soon as you see somebody in front of you just laying it back and letting well, we're, them we're re- not spontaneous reset. in any way that that that's no, that's... no spontaneity at mm. all which that's that comes back to things like set pieces it's like if you don't have the pace to play through the field you're going to have to go over the top or play aerial it's like that means your set pieces you know when, whenever Grealish gets fouled they become key and isn't it our play with the most shots at goal has been Courtney Hawes. I mean, that speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, like we, we mentioned Nyland's uh, mistake and, you know, he seems to have a mistake in him every game. But it's easy, you know, it's easy to uh, put a spotlight on defenders. I mean, just look at, you know, some of the, the poor balls of Grealish or Horan where he hasn't beaten the first man. I, I mean, to me, these are like howling mistakes. And then you've got somebody who's really good in the air, Courtney Hawes, but He's good at winning headers, but he's not very good at doing anything with those headers. Mm-hmm. I think that the, th- the thing about it is, and this is where I, I do feel sympathy for, for the coaching team, is that we get ourselves into those opportunities and then the decision making is, is incomprehensibly poor. You know, so there was the one on the, on the stroke of half time where between Grealish and Hurahan, they managed, to, wasn't it? They managed mm-hmm. to, to dispossess themselves almost. They tripped over um, the ball and it went out for throwing, didn't they? It was just, it was laughable. And, and I think just to just to pick up on the point about House and have any chances as well. It's given our height at corners. It's amazing how few chance, how, how goal, few goals we score between Mings and House. You know, it's. Yeah. Um, but there we are. I mean, when Villa, Villa won the league in '81, a contribution, and it's a contribution of any any top team is your centre backs chipping mm. with goals mm. from set pieces. It's as simple as that. Yep. And you know, Mings hardly ever. And you know, he's he's scratching around trying to claim that uh, Watford goal because he's so desperate. Yeah. And I'm not getting at, not getting at him. I'm just saying centre backs should be well, chipping in. But I think that we've reached the point very very quickly that where you know no one is no one is above criticism, and y- y- you know that there isn't that goal return there. I, I, I'm not. Don't think Mings's form's been amazing either, to be honest. You know, and he and he's got a good. There's a bit of protectionism as well that that Smith was very quick to say Konza was at fault at Newcastle um, when when both centre halves were were able. You know. Yeah, I mean, that was main, probably Courtney House was the main mm-hmm. culprit in that one. Oh, yeah. But the fact is, you know, we're in a relegation battle and we've got a strike force that has only scored one goal combined in the whole season. And uh, <laughs> it's quite a betting slip, that one, isn't it? Let's all. Uh... <laughs> and uh, no goals in those four games so far. And um, I mean, come on, we, we really haven't got much hope on that basis. I mean, you would have mm-hmm. hoped, but, you know, if Keenan Davis had got one in these four games or. He would have been up and running and had a bit more confidence. Mm. Uh, I mean, Samata never looked lightly in the last game or two. No. When he came on, when he started, all the same. Yeah, the break seems to have ruined Samata. I don't know what has happened over the break. Was he like 
isolated? Was he left out? You know, you know, follow your fitness plan, and we'll, we'll see you whenever the, this starts up again or mm-hmm. something. He just, he just seems to be com- completely lonely. I mean, I've seen Instagram photos of him and him and the canvas seem to be quite friendly and things like that. But he, he just doesn't seem to have a relationship on the pitch with anybody at all. I think yeah. he needs. He's a, he's a proper goal scorer type striker, isn't he? He needs service. You know, you saw that in the cup final. You give him a chance, mm. he'll bury it. In. I mean, there was the header at Newcastle, which I'd class as a half chance. You'd probably expect him to hit the target, but it was a half chance. Whereas I think. If you give him good, you know, same as someone like Wesley, which we said, you know, throughout the season as well. If you give Wesley good service, he's shown he can put the ball in the net, but we yeah. just don't put the ball, you know, you look at the service Abraham had the previous season. Abraham had missed two or three a game, but he'd always get in another chance and he'd usually bury it. And look at, but my final point is in terms of Grealish and others, look at the amount of penalties we used to get which is always an indicator traditionally, isn't it, of how proactive you are in the final third. We've barely had a penalty all season. A lot of it is like, you know, the midfielders running on, isn't it, into the box. That's 100%. when they get the trips. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was what Grealish was just always good value for, wasn't he? It was, it, you know, he'd carry the ball into the penalty area and then you know you can't dive in. Yeah. And that's just, as as you keep saying, he's, he's always too deep. And if he's on the ball, yeah, that, that's where you want him because... You just do the maths. Most fouled player in the Premier League ever, and uh, get him in the box then with the ball. <laughs> it's, it's, penalties yeah. ahoy! Stand on the penalty spot and do not move. <laughs> you just see our players whenever whenever our players do make it into the final third and maybe make it into like a corner. They just put their foot in the ball and hold mm-hmm. it, waiting mm-hmm. for Grealish to come into that triangle corner of the box each time. It's like right, I've got the where I need to be. Where's Jack? Where is he? You know, they need to start taking a bit more responsibility themselves. Yeah, I mean, get it, you know, get, get it around the box. You know, start diving. Oh, any any dark arts to uh, get the rub of the green, for God's sake. Just have a shot. Yeah, have a shot. <laughs> I mean, that's, what, that's the thing with McGinn, isn't it? McGinn, when you've got McGinn and Horahan on the field and you can get the ball in and around the penalty area, I'd fancy McGinn against any goalkeeper. We've seen him do it enough times. Mm-hmm. And Louise yeah, and, and, and Louise can get, do it get in Horahan. Just, you've got to press. They can all hit a good ball, but we don't work an opportunity. We either we slow it right down and lose momentum or we're not patient enough. And Jack's guilty of this a lot of the times where he'll take all the pace out of the game that we lose yeah. a bit of advantage mm-hmm. or or he'll get into a position around the penalty area and then he'll force the issue. And it's mm-hmm. just learning to, you know, it's the it's the final final ball. It's the decision-making. Yet again, it's, it's the fine margins and the attention to I detail. Feel, yeah, I get a feeling Grealish uh, will make his career by playing for a team that's got 10 decent players and uh, he'll see about a third of what he sees of the ball now, but he'll look better just because, you know, he'll only need a touch here and there. And I don't think he's he's got it to carry the t- a team like Villa. It's a bit, it's, it's a tall order, but... Absolutely. I mean, we're talking, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, the midfield not doing enough and that is where our superstars are, you know, McGinn and Grealish. So, yeah. I mean, that tells you maybe a lot of it has been uh, hype. There's a bit too much hype rather than ability, even though they're both decent players. We've had them up on pedestals and they probably don't quite deserve to be there. Nope. I mean, I am... Um will honestly admit to taking the time to actually watch the Man United game against Norwich at the weekend, you know, the, the cup game. And there's all the rumour of Jack going to Man United and a lot of people saying, oh, we'll go to Man United, he'll play, he'll, he'll be the final piece, he'll improve them. But Bruno Fernandes is a better player. Paul Pogba, yeah. when he can be asked, let's be honest, is a truly world-class player. It's just if he can be asked. Even uh, Matic in the middle of the park, he's brilliant at his position. You think, uh, as things stand with Man United, where the hell is he going to play in that team? Yeah. 
Anyway, that's his problem, not ours. We've got bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> problems we have. Big problems. Uh, just to finish off, and we can't talk about this because we'll be here all, all all week, I think. Uh, the Dean Smith situation, I mean, that's another podcast. Uh, I mean, you, silly, you know, silly website, the clickbait websites, and if anybody really retweets and and considers the football insider as as gospel <laughs> then you you got to take a look at yourself in the mirror and think whether it's worth going on with this football business if that's what you think is uh intelligent uh i can't call it journalism it's just based on an equation villa have not won in was it eight games now in mm. relegation zone oh Oh, manager under pressure. I mean, yeah, well, that's like common sense. But the reality is, Perslow backs this man. And I, you know, when he gave him a new contract, we had a meeting with him and I asked him, you know, why the timing of this new contract? Wouldn't you have preferred to see if he was up for the job? And he was, Dean Smith is front and centre of the plans going forward for the, you know, immediate future and uh, beyond. And he's, him and his, uh, cohorts are going to look a bit sheepish if they get rid of him now because they are responsible and they put all their chips on him so uh, they're not going to boot him out also uh if we get relegated let's keep it as an if at the moment would we keep dean smith i mean i had some uh, some writers article uh, saying he would keep him for the championship uh, i would wait to see how he reacts to these next tests ahead and you, you'll get to learn a lot about dean smith in these last six games and what the application is in terms of can he get a team up for this is he mr nice guy dean smith can he get this team to show some fight in these last six games? And, and we, you know, we'll find out about the fibre of the man. And then you make the decision whether you keep him or not. Well, it's all on the assumption that, that in, in the event that Villa got relegated, that he didn't resign. Yeah. So mm. There is that, but I mean, he can mitigate no end mm-hmm. of stuff like mm-hmm. Tom Heaton, Wesley, McGinn. Well, wasn't it post-Wolves was we're the only team who's had to play four, uh, four games in, what was it, 11 mm-hmm. days? Yeah, although mm. you can spin that to say we've had an extra game to get up to match fitness. So mm. uh, yeah, I mean, but, I mean, but we'll get into. Yeah. I mean, we'll yeah. get into that the Dean Smith debate as this uh, plot thickens. But it's getting to the uh, the stage where the the custard is getting thick uh, already, <laughs> 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 and most of it's on Dean Smith's and Purcell's face. There's an image for. <laughs> 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 Right, let's uh, let's uh, step this <laughs> up a bit, and let's close out with overrated or underrated. Right, we are down to two. We used to do three, but now we are waffling on about football again. So we've gone for the combo of Alan Wright and the imperious Bosco Balaban, who was always going to feature in this. It was just a matter of when. Uh, Mr. Bird, who should we go for first? Let's start with the uh, miniature Alan Wright, shall we? Yes. Uh, you've been campaigning for him to be in this. Uh, this is, was it the third time? Third time lucky? I'm a fan. Been, you're giving your uh, opinion away already, That's I think. That's bias, right? isn't it, then? <laughs> yeah, a bit bias, isn't it? Asked. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we should always ask this question uh, at the start of uh, underrated and overrated. Why did we buy a player? So why did we buy Ian Wright? Alan, Alan, Wright. Alan Wright. If only we did <laughs> buy Ian Wright. Wright. Yeah. Ian Wright. Jesus. <laughs> if only. At, at the time of buying Wright, it was that season, obviously when Little came in, 94, 95, obviously um, Big Ron had just been sacked. Staunton was kind of fading yeah. away. Yes, Staunton was kind of, and he'd play all over the place, wouldn't he, Staunton? Sometimes he'd be a left-back, he could play centre-back, or he could play left-side of midfield, and Little had 
set his stall out by saying, I want to play a back three, I want to play wing backs, which he was a very mm-hmm. early, you know, user of the system and, and it had worked well for him. So he wanted Staunton's people who he knew legs could, were kind of going yeah, so he couldn't he really could, get up and down. Yeah, exactly. Did Staunton go to Liverpool? I just need to know this. Did he, went, he, went back, he went back and forth, didn't he? Yeah, uh-huh. he, we we just we used to share him. <laughs> yeah, Staunton stayed a couple more years, didn't he? And then he, and then he went to Liverpool a few years later. A couple of anyway, let's let's talk about our Messiah, Alan Wright. Back, yeah, back let, to Chris. Let's... Staunton came back to Villa, though, didn't he? Came back yeah. 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 Taylor. Yeah. Well, he came. He he went to Liverpool. Came to Villa Park as Liverpool got sent off. Everyone times a fuck off the pitch. Then we welcomed him back like a. <laughs> All like is the, forgiven, like, like Steve. Like the fickle bunch we are. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, as you were, Chris. So it, it was at the same time we brought in sort of Gary Charles, and it was that first influx of players that you know Little brought in with you know Gary Charles brought in Tommy Johnson, didn't he? France Carr, I yeah. think, came in. France Carr, um, legend. I mean, you actually look at the first <laughs> couple of sort of uh, transfer windows, if you want to call them those, of Little, and pretty much every signing worked. There weren't too many flops in that time. Um, so we bought him for a million pounds from uh, Blackburn, ironically, who were top of the league at the time. So it was a, mm. a step down from the team who obviously would, would go on to be champions that season. Yeah. Um, Villa would avoid relegation just about at the end of that season. And, and, but he was you know, chuffed with that move. Yeah. <laughs> but Wright would make you know the left sort of wing-back position his own for over, you know, he was, he was there from 95 to 2003. When you first saw him, I don't know if you remember, you know, if you remembered your own experiences at that time, didn't didn't you think he's a bit too small to play football? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, one of the first times I saw him play, it was weird because I never used to sit in the uh, the Trinity Road enclosure, but I sat quite near the, really low. And obviously, because I was a little short ass, and, and as was he, with the camber of the pitch, you'd see him run over to the sort of what would have been the Doug Ellis side, or Witten Lane as we now call it. And all you'd see was his head and the ball. You think where's his body gone? He was that small. He <laughs> just disappeared. Just disappeared. Because <laughs> this is the thing, I, I could never convince myself that this was as good as it gets for us <laughs> at left back. I just thought he's going to get out jumped on the far posts every time, every surely. Time. But you know, we've we've scoured the internet and we yes. have found we've found evidence of of him, Alan Wright, out jumping Duncan Ferguson, who's never been out jumped in his career, the Everton no. uh, striker. Uh, Bolton's Ricardo Gardner, and then one which I'm sure Alan Wright's got on. Uh, he's either got it printed out and stuck on his fridge, or he's got it in a frame above his mantelpiece, out jumping David Beckham. So he he had the uh, the capabilities of uh, a kangaroo <laughs> type or a <laughs> he had salmon to see it. He type. Had some leap. spring, didn't he? <laughs> But yeah, I always thought, come on, let this you know this summer, let's sign somebody who's about you know at least five ten, five eleven <laughs> at uh, left back. Yeah, to, to look at him, you'd think he'd be like a, a sitting duck who'd get targeted, but his positional play and his awareness, and he had a, a turn of pace, yeah. was so good that he kind of made it work for him. And you know, his delivery was good, and his, his big thing was he always had a shot his, on him as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll get on to that in a minute, but it was. I mean, the ball was about one third of his total height. <laughs> <Yeah>. but... <laughs> Um, you know, consistency was the name of the game with Wright. I always thought he was, you know, he was never injured, <laughs> never suspended. He just, he always was, you know, seven out of 10 every week. And yeah. Are they called model professionals? I think you'd call him that, yeah. But like Sibiriu? <laughs> he just Although got on he with his job. Heroin, he was a heroin addict. That was his uh, only downfall. <laughs> yeah, he was drinking partners with Paul McGrath. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. No, but mo- model professional. Well, they did him a statue, but people didn't believe it was to scale, did yeah, they? Yeah, it was <laughs> one of those Corinthian figures, wasn't it? <laughs> but he had a knack of scoring 
brilliant goals, didn't he? He had an absolute rocket mm. on him. You know, every once in a blue moon, he'd take a pot shot and it'd just fly in. You know, there was the, the famous volley at uh, it was Middlesbrough, wasn't it? Where he sort of yeah, flicked, yeah. flicked it up and blasted it in the far corner. Scored was, a good one at uh, against Spurs. Yeah, Spurs, the Spurs, Spurs was a top corner job as well, wasn't Yeah, it? there was one at Wimbledon as well that he scored that was similar. He, he never scored a tapping. Phil, any, any fond memories of Mr. Wright? <laughs> The best thing you can say about him is the position wasn't a problem. I mean, we'll look at the disasters that we've had over the years in fullbacks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when, Alan Wright's th- when Alan Wright's there, he's just there. He's, he's, he may as well be printed on the team sheets every week. It's fine. Yeah, Nothing to worry about. One of those fullbacks where it doesn't matter who you're playing, you, you don't have to worry. Even if, you, if he's playing Ronaldo or whoever, it's like where he's our left back. That's what we've got. And he's going to be all right. It's not like you're thinking our target's going to get absolutely fried by uh, Trory. <laughs> Although Alan Wright versus Trory would be a great, great yeah, a thing to watch. Battle, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just clinging to his boot. <laughs> dragging, dragging him along. <laughs> I mean, at least Wright, unlike Target, doesn't like limp off scared shitless after about was it quarter of an hour. <laughs> oh no, I've just smelt Traore, right? I see it on my mouth. You know, Wright would stick to the task. Yeah, uh, good, good stats on... Uh, I love this Alan one. Wright. I, I can't believe it. I love it though. I'll, I'll, get, I'll hand it over to Chris. So Wright currently sits as Villa's third all-time European appearance maker with 26, only behind Mortimer and Sid Cowens. Remarkable. Which, I mean, does that say how good he was, or does it really show how you know the period he was at Villa? Villa were a pretty bloody good team, and generally mm. in Europe. You're thinking, does that show how slapdash we were towards European football in that period? Now, Alan, Alan Wright just loved those intertoto games. He was, yeah. He's always volu- volunteering. Anybody coming off holiday early for these intertoto? Fancy coming to Wren in July. Who wants to lose to Helsingborgs? Me, me. <laughs> <laughs> he just loved the free trips, old uh, Alan Wright. It's a free holiday, isn't it? Mm. Um, how many years did he do at Villa again? It was about eight, wasn't it? He was there from 95 to 03. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if he got on the... Uh, Although I'm not allowed to say if he got on the short list of fullbacks <laughs> for the gro- in, in <laughs> short list, David. <laughs> yeah. You're so no heightened. Just because no you're six intended. foot ten. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No pun intended. But I think he might. I think he was. Yeah, I think he was there and thereabouts. But I would say probably deserved because eight years and as you say, you know, model professional. He definitely was. Always seven out of ten. No, no qualms with Mister Wright. So uh, underrated, overrated. I, I think you know I'm going to go straight underrated because he didn't doesn't really get the plaudits. Underrated from me. Yeah. Uh, criminally underrated. Unanimous. Phil. Underrated. There you go, Alan Wright. And uh, you should uh, Google Alan Wright out jumps. That's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> see, see what you can find. The Beckham one's quite funny because his face is of, of pure pain as he's been uh, outjumped by uh, Alan Wright. <laughs> right, moving on to uh, the one and only, the mighty Bosco Balaban. I think I, I, I mentioned this story. Uh, I used to go to Croatia a bit. And uh, if there's one thing, you know, if you get talking to any guy that is into football and they ask you who you support, as soon as you say Aston Villa, it's like the eyes light up. They buy you a pint straight away. Uh, this is mainly in Zagreb I'm talking because uh, they're buying you a pint just to say thank you very much for like the 7 million euros that Aston Villa gave uh, Dynamo Zagreb <laughs> back uh, under the uh, tutelage of uh, John Gregory Is it a bit like you know like when you see like signs that says this project was part funded by the European Union is there things in Zagreb <laughs> that says this was part funded by Aston Villa Pretty much yeah thank you Bosco but most this of all thank you very much with Aston <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that's what they should have gone for. They, I mean, this one, uh, this is a bizarre. Why why did we buy him? Because we already had Engel, Dublin, <laughs> Vassell. Was was Dublin slipping away? Roughly translated, uh, five point eight million. So this is not a cheap. It's not a cheap acquisition. I mean, Engel was the marquee. Probably uh, just was it about nine nine million, million pounds. Yeah, yeah. Could the season that. It may have been that Angel hadn't come good at that point. Of course, the, the season Balaban arrived was the season Angel yeah. first kind of exploded. Mm-hmm. After we tried to break Angel, yeah. 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 Because he, he, he scored a hat full of goals for Zagreb. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was an inter- full international, wasn't he, as well? Yeah, mm-hmm. 69 in 158 games in the Croatian League between um, yeah. it was Zagreb and I forget the name of the side. Because as soon as he left at Bruges in the Belgium <laughs> League, he was banging them in again, 27 yeah. and 30. Yeah. One season, the season before, 25 and 24. So, you know, he knew where the goal was. Apart from Aston Villa. <laughs> yeah. Apart from Aston Villa. But he didn't look and, like a footballer. <laughs> I mean, they ridiculed him. And mm-hmm. I remember when we went to uh, Bodymore Heath and Ian Taylor <laughs> yeah, ridiculed Tyler him in public as well. We just said he well, just didn't want to be there, didn't he? Who, yeah, all I asked Ian was who, who looked least like a footballer. And he didn't have to think <laughs> was, about it much, did he? <laughs> no, it was no, him, him and Savo, wasn't it? <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> I remember watching his debut, and it was like in a bar in Newcastle. I was only 18, drove into the bar with the friends and against United. I mean, we took a lead early, a typical Villa United game. Mm-hmm. And on came Bosco Bamban. People ask you... Yo, who's this? And I go, oh, where do you see this? Where do you see this? Wait till you, <laughs> you see just this. Wait. You just wait. Get the beers in. Yeah. Get another round in. Wait yeah. until you see this. Ball you won't have seen the, anything like this. No, the ball comes into the box and United keeper at the time, uh, Roy Carroll, flops it straight to Balaban. <gasps> and, and what? And like we've talked about before, these players that have a great reputation and the, <laughs> what, the one thing they do that forever they're tired of, they just blasts it wide. And it's just like, ah, oh, no. That'll <laughs> define. Yep. Yeah. Marked for life. We'll be replacing him with Peter Crouch later in the season. As you would expect, he didn't have much uh, good to say about Villa. I come into training <laughs> every day knowing there is nothing for me, even though I was constantly told if I waited long enough, I would get my chance. <laughs> oh, well. But the more you train and don't play, the less training means to you. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't going to uh, get me match fit or get me into the Croatian squad for the World Cup. I mean, this is the problem. Croatia had a decent... A uh, really good team, yeah. Decent uh, international team uh, well, in the last few decades. And mm. uh, this is what he's got his eye on. And yeah, he's, he's basically put on the compost heap at Bodymore Heath. And uh, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no way into, a, you know, into the Croatian team. But the annoying thing about him was the second that he left Villa Park, he became a top European striker again, didn't he? <laughs> he just didn't want to be there, I think. And that's basically what Taylor alluded to, didn't he? That none of the mm-hmm. players were impressed with him because his attitude absolutely stank, apparently. He just mm-hmm. he was on quite big money, got his big move and just thought, ah, fuck it, whatever. Mm-hmm. He apparently went in begging Graham Taylor, did he not? For a place in the team. That, he said that was my yeah. like, his low point at Villa, was actually having to go and beg for a game. And then he says, the week was definitely the worst time for me in England, but I still want to play in English football. I like the game here, and I think the Premier, it was called the Premiership at that time. 
mm. before it became the Premier League. It's one of the best leagues in the world, not as good as the Belgium League or the Croatian League, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of uh, how he did, I didn't get around to investigating this again or, for, let's say, refreshing my memory. But there was lots of rumours of brown paper envelopes in those days, especially and with John Gregory, because after he went to Derby, after this, he kind of disappeared. And mm. this, is a, this is a promising manager and a, a big, big personality who was never seen on these shores again and obviously had to play his trade in India. It wasn't mm. he dismissed from Derby supposedly unfairly. It was a bit of a grey area, shall we say. And because of that, because of the, yeah, yeah, because of the investigation, he couldn't work. So he was basically banned from working for about two or three years, I think. And then by that point, of course, his stock had fallen. And I remember Engel and Balaban's signings were mentioned in these conversations. Oh, Angel's signing, I, I don't know, whether, I, you know, I'm not going to say there's any connection to Gregory, but Angel's signing was infamous for there being a discrepancy between the fee that Villa paid yeah. and the fee that River Plate received. Yeah. yeah. But I remember they, there being a bit of a cloud above this. I mean, without uh, just throwing out uh, accusations uh, from uh, distant memories. Mm. So something worth looking into if, if you're kind of interested. Maybe uh, if I get a spare time, I'll look into yeah. the Balaban situation. I think the, the Balaban signing was supposedly part of what was part of basically Gregory's demise at Villa that I think Ellis was so unwilling to give him, I think it was 8 million at the time, wasn't it, from Muzzy, is it? Because he'd spent <laughs> however much on Balaban and uh, and he was sat on the bench as well. And I think, um, you know, one of Gregory's parting shots was to, to Ellis, you know, oh, well, you know, if you, if, if, uh, if, you, if, if I let you buy him this week, where would you play him in the team on Saturday? I would put him on the bench. So Ellis was like, hang on a minute, I'm going to have what the best part of you know, 15 million pounds worth of new signings sat on the bench doing nothing. I think that was, Kind of that was the start of the end of the road for Gregory, wasn't it? And he went not long after that. I mean, he had a he was subject to an investigation from the FA in in two thousand and two, and he, he was uh, they failed to find anything untoward. However, uh, that there was some uh, uh, what's the word uh, conflict of interests identified as part of it. Yeah. Anyway, upshot: Balaban only played nine, made nine appearances. Seven of those were substitute. Failed to register in the nets. But how do you go for this one? Because he was sensational everywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Goal a game man everywhere else. Hmm. I mean, I I remember at the time I was just thinking, just let him have a run of games, you know, just, and then when he came on, he was just, you were thinking, what kind of player is he? He had like uh, (laughs) the physique of, let's say, Gary Shaw, so a bit flight. So he was more of a fox in the box and you'd hope he would finish. I can't remember if he had any speed to him. I think he must have been. He's a, a very similar but, player to Angel, to be honest. But a bit more lightweight, I think, yeah. in physique. So, yeah, it was a strange one. Overrated for me. <laughs> with that yeah, money over, at that time. Overrating when he came in, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah just, 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 just ever so slightly massively overrated. Yeah, Phil? Yeah, overrated. Sold a lemon by Davar Sucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, D- David Sukar gave him a good reference. Great striker. Did he have shares? We'll never know. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm going uh, overrated as well because you're expecting, uh, oh, we've got a nice little lineup of strikers here. And this guy's uh, 7 million euros, 5.8 pounds. So he must be reasonably good. 
he would have definitely been a YouTube striker because people would have been frothing at the mouth with all the goals that he scored for <laughs> Dynamo Zigreb in the uh, you know YouTube highlights video. They'd have been going, "Wow, we've struck gold here, boys!" And you know that would have he would have been a classic YouTube striker. I think yeah, he was probably a MySpace striker. Did YouTube exist then? I don't know. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. If if it did, that's what I'm saying. It, it wouldn't, been, it wouldn't you, have been in my top friends. <laughs> It'd have been the, <laughs> it'd have been the ultimate oh, uh, YouTube striker. So, Mister Bosco Balaban, overrated in the world of Aston Villa. Bruges underrated, just uh, statues of glory in uh, in the city of uh, Bruges of Bosco Balaban. Uh, just an aside, as, as means of a, as a fact that the FA discovered that seven million of Ast- of Juan Pablo Angel's nine point five million pound transfer was agent fees. Was it? Oh, jeez. Adam Crozier said that. Wow, that's insane. It's going to be your Tevez Mascarano situation again, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Seven million of nine million being agent's fees. That is, uh, that's modern day football for you folks. Mm -hmm. Insanity. I should have been an agent. Mm. Can you imagine pulling that deal? Right? If we were all agents, we would do a podcast and uh, the best episodes would be in the transfer window. At the end of the week, you'd be giving each other your progress. I've got this, I've got this left back. He's four foot two. <laughs> <laughs> European experience. I just sold this Colombian for nine million to this team called Aston Villa. And seven million of that is my agent's fee. Pick that one out. Eat my commission. <laughs> <laughs> on that note we're off to the Cayman Islands yeah, yeah if only this parallel universe existed right thank you very much for listening we will uh, dust ourselves down and pump ourselves with strange drugs and things to keep us alive for the ensuing uh, double back to back games against our historical nemesis off to Anfield we go against Liverpool and then we host uh, Manchester United God help us <laughs> I was looking forward to going to Man United at home as well. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. It's always one of the first fixtures I look for as well. But uh, alas, not. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, if you can uh, join us in Match Club, please do. I mean, there's a few patrons also that haven't uh, hooked up yet. So uh, get in there. It's definitely worth your while, especially if you want some company or you want to uh, hear some rational uh, analysis and Villa chat. Hopefully, we if we can get something from Liverpool or Manchester United, then I think we're still game on in this uh, battle. But we'll see what happens. Right, please do uh, follow and subscribe so you know when the next show drops on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to the show. Any final words, gentlemen? I'm glad Villa have got a break. You know, we've had four games back to back to back, very close together. I'm glad there's just a you know a week's break until Ooh, the next game. Oh, it sounds like Dean Smith. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're fatigued. I'm fatigued. I've oh, done one I'm podcast fatigued. this month. I'm fatigued. Going <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a lie yeah. down. God, it says match club extra sessions. It just leaves us fatigued, doesn't it? <laughs> I know it's strange, man. I mean, we nearly finished a podcast at twenty past twelve. Yeah. Oh wow. That that is that's just put a spring in my step now. I know it feels early. <laughs> right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Phil Shaw, for joining us, uh, Mr. Chris Bird and Dan Rogers. And until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. 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 No, no. Have another go. Do you, wanna, you can say that again if you want. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, there you go. Can we do more kazoo? Yeah, I like to kazoo.
Me too, because you can do anything with a kazoo. That's crazy. Just kazoo it. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.